It's great to see all of you. You know, if you look at uh, the Bible, but you also look at life, you'll see sometimes famous people come in threes. Uh, The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. God made himself known in three ways. How how many of you remember a movie, The Three Amigos? Certainly not uh, near the equivalent. That was Greg Phillips and um, John Morgan and Chris Gatlin right there. They looked a little different. The makeup changed them a little bit. That was a (laughs) classic movie. How many of you know The Three Stooges? The Three Stooges. They they are three of the greatest guys ever. I I really believe that. We have a picture of The Three Stooges. Uh, Oh! Can I hear an amen? Amen. Josh found that, that we said, we have got to use that. That is, that is too classy. We're going to look this morning, we're going to look this morning at three, uh, at three folks. We're going to look at a guy named Mel, and preachers, I can call him that, this is legal. A guy named Abe, and we're going to look at you. We're in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis is the second easiest book, or maybe the first easiest book to find in the Bible, because it is the first. You ought to be able to find it easily if you have your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, no problem. The Scriptures will be on the screen. Verse 17 through 20, it begins, now Abraham has not had his name changed. He's going to shortly, but it's Abram here. It says, after Abram returned from his victory over Ketelamir and his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaviv, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, that's our male, the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. Let's walk through this story real quick. We're going to walk through the first two to get to you. Who's Abraham? This Abe, this Abraham, is one of the most important people in the Bible. The Christians, we consider him our spiritual father. Certainly Jewish people do. And Muslims do through his son Ishmael. He's a very important figure. Uh, the, again, the father of Judaism and the father of Christianity, we, we, uh, we claim him. He's one of the top people most important figures, uh, certainly in the Old Testament. Melchizedek, now this is an interesting person. Well, first let me back up. What's the context of Melchizedek and Abraham meeting? The very first war that is ever recorded in the Bible happened in this chapter, which is pretty neat. Uh, Lot, who is a, a goofball nephew of Abraham, had got captured, and so Abraham goes out and he wins the battle. We'll see more of that in a moment. He captures, gets him back, gets his, all his friends, families, and their booty back. Their booty is a good word. That means their loot. That might be a better word in this context today, right? Their loot back. And uh, they meet, it says, at the valley, the, 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 the valley of the kings. This is the, probably where the, the Kidron Valley and the valley of Hanam, the valley of Hanam, in Jesus' day, it was a garbage dump right outside of Jerusalem. This is where Jerusalem 
comes together right here. So it's a little bit south of Jerusalem, actually. And so they, they, Abram runs into this guy, Melchizedek. Who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek, is kind of, he's a really interesting figure. He's in the Old Testament a little bit. He's in the New Testament a little bit. And he's really hard to get your hands. He's kind of a combination of the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and a UFO. You know, you, you don't know really how to, to play him out. So I'm going to tell you who Melchizedek possibly was. I'm going to give you three options. Some say he was Seth, one of the sons of Noah. Now, the only problem with that is in, he, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, it says that Melchizedek does not have a genealogy. It actually says there was no birth or no origin or family. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't have a family or origin. It just means it was never recorded, where Seth has a family history. We have it recorded. Some people, uh, Melchizedek's name, Melchizedek means righteousness, and it says he was the king of Salem. Salem means peace. He is the king of righteousness and peace. Salem was a, the old name for the city of Jerusalem. So he was the king of Jerusalem. And and some people say that this was Jesus Christ. They call it a theophany or a Christophany where God appears to men. Now, here's the problem with that. Also in Hebrews, and Hebrews 7 is a good place when you get home later, not now, to look up and study a little bit about Melchizedek. It says Melchizedek was a type of Christ or a model. Listen, Jesus is not a type or a model. He's the real thing. So here's what I believe about Melchizedek. I believe Melchizedek was a king priest. Now, Jewish people didn't have king priests. The other cultures did, but he is, a, he is an awesome guy, and he is a representative of our, or a model of what Jesus is going to be when he came and who Jesus is today. Now, that brings us to you and to me. The last part of verse 20, we can see verse 20 on the screen. Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Now, here's what we're going to talk about this morning. Are you ready? We're going to talk about giving. We have locked the doors. You cannot get out. If you need to go to the bathroom, you're going to have to wait at least 30 minutes. Laugh with me a little bit. This is... This is hard for me to preach. Make it easier, okay? Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you're watching on the Internet or you're here and you're not a Christian, we are not after your money. We're after you. Unapologetically, we want to reach you for Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, this message applies to you 110%. If you're a Christian, you can't say, you know, I want to serve Jesus. I just want to, I don't want to give any of my money. That's like saying, I want to be married and I want to love my wife. I just, in the adultery area, I need some freedom. (laughs) That doesn't fly, does it? So this is a message for us as Christians. If you're not a Christian, this is part of the gig. Pay attention. Maybe it'll help you. But let's look at what we can learn about giving First time the tithe is ever mentioned in the Bible is right here too. And and I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts on giving from Melchizedek and Abraham for you and me. First of all, giving is a right response to our Creator. You go, you know, okay, I'm a Christian and I claim to be a Christian and I'm supposed to give my money. Why? Man, because God is our Creator. He is the owner and possessor of everything. You got a million dollars in the bank or in your checking account in your retirement... You know what? You die tomorrow. That, you don't have that anymore. God's the possessor of everything. Look in verse 20. 
It says, and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies. Well, let, me, let me back up. I'm sorry. Verse 19. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. The word creator there means two things. It means he's the one that spoke it into being. And it also means he's the owner of everything. Listen, this is a cool concept. God not only created everything, God owns everything. God possesses everything. Well, you own your house, you own this property. When you die, you know what? Somebody else is going to own that in a legal sense. But it's all God's, isn't it? God's the owner of everything. This true story. Years ago up north in a small town of about 3,000, the town drunk got saved. He was notorious. You know, he was the guy that was always around town, had alcohol in his breath and... and you know, everybody knew him as the town drunk. He became a Christian. It radically changed his life. And, and he was in church every Sunday. He quit drinking. He was doing great. And about four months later, someone saw him downtown in the city park, and he was hugging a tree and kissing the tree. Okay, if the town drunk has been converted, and you see him hugging and kissing a tree, honestly, what goes through your mind? The town drunk has fallen off the wagon, true? So one of his friends gets out, gets out of his car, and he goes up to him and goes, Hey, bud, uh, what's going on? By the way, can I smell your breath? I mean, what's going, what's going on with you? Are you drunk again? He said, No. And this is just a, a simple man, simple Christian. He said, I just realized that Jesus created this tree. He owns everything. He created this tree. And I was just telling this tree I loved it because it's a creation of God. Now, for all you timber people cutting trees this week, that's awesome. And you're helping all of us. And that's part of the process of creation. But just think about that. God created everything. You say, well, I don't want to give my money to God. I'm going to sit on my money for God. It's all God's anyway. It's all God's anyway. Amen? God, it, God is the creator and the possessor of everything. Here's the second thing. Giving is a right expression of thanksgiving. It's a right expression of thanksgiving. When you are thankful... You give, you respond in, in ways. Verse 19 again, he blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Let's go back to verse 16. Abraham recovered all the goods he had taken, and he brought back to his nephew Lot with his possessions all the women and other captives. Okay, it's a great battle, Lot. And, and Abram may regret later rescuing Lot. He probably should have let him go at this point. But he rescues him. Everything that had been stolen, they get back. Every person that had been kidnapped, they get back. It was a tremendous victory. And Melchizedek is telling him, Abram, God has blessed you. One of the things Abram's going to do, then he's going to give back from his resources to God. Do you realize this morning how God has blessed you? Now, I'm not downplaying the fact that, that some of you got real problems and, and that you got real burdens. I'm not downplaying that at all. But just think about this. We come and sit in this church right now. You're going to be gone by at least 1.30. And, and the biggest complaint we have on Sundays is the building is too cold or too hot. Isn't that tough? Go watch a movie this afternoon about the concentration camps and you'll never complain about it. And I'm, you, you, I, I want to know if it's too hot or cold, but I'm just saying. And, and if you were able to get here, I, I mean, you, if you can see me, that may not be a blessing, but that you can see is a blessing. That you can hear what's being said, that's a blessing. I, these stats are a couple of years old, but, the, but they're probably still pretty close. 
the, the median income worldwide, the median income of a person worldwide is $1,225 annually. $1,225 annually. If you make $34,000 a year, and some of you may not make that yet, some of you make that every month or every two months. You are in the top 1% of income earners in the world. That's Think of how blessed you are. And so when we think about, we think about giving, it's a natural overflow to our Creator. It should be a natural overflow of thanksgiving, of an expression of thanksgiving to God. Here's the third thing. Giving is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Hey, I want you, to, if you can today, stay till the end of the service. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. That's worship. That is worship. In, in this passage, but, but everything we're doing here is worship. In verse 20, it says, And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. I want to tell you, this Abram had a God encounter at this point. To use our terms, he's a, he's a man who had a relationship with God who has a personal revival at this point. He experiences God in a new and a fresh way. And, and we're confused oftentimes about worship. What does worship mean? Well, if we're singing, that's the worship time. And then there's the preaching time. Listen, can worship happen during music? Absolutely. Can you sing your heart out and not be worshiping? Absolutely. Go to a concert. People can sing and not be worshiping God. Can worship happen during preaching? Absolutely. Can worship not happen during preaching? Absolutely. Worship is surrender to God. That's what worship is. Romans 12, 1, great passage. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies your most precious thing to God because all he has done for you. Again, gratitude. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Most sacrifices are dead sacrifices, correct? This, this will be acceptable. This is truly the way you worship him. How do you worship God? Worship him when we sing. Worship him during the preaching. Worship him during the Lord's Supper. Worship him during the invitation by surrendering your heart to him. But you worship too by your giving. Worship is an act of giving. In the New Testament, the word worship is, is uh, one of the best illustrations. It's a picture of a dog licking its master's hand. That's humble, reverent, uh, and submissive. That's what worship is. Listen, how hypocritical is this? And, and I love to be expressive when we worship. I'm more reserved, but I love it when, when people feel the freedom to raise their hands, to clap, to be expressive. I think that's awesome. But how hypocritical is this? We praise God. We praise God. Amen. Amen. And then when the, the offering plate comes by, we're like, oh, no, no, that's, that's not part of my gig. God needs to get all of us, doesn't he? And that's what worship is. Giving is an act of worship. And here's the fourth thing. Giving should be done properly. It should be done properly. It's neat the specificity of this passage. And if you believe like I believe, I believe that, that God gave us the Bible. I don't believe there's random thoughts in here. There's accidental sections. I believe God gave us the Bible. And what's in this passage is here for a reason. And it's not here accidentally. It says in verse 20, Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he has recovered, given properly. Here's the first thought. A tenth is a tithe. What, what is a tenth? It is a tithe. Some passages, some translations here don't say that he gave a tenth. They say that he gave a tithe. That's what a tithe is. It is 10%. Okay, if you're a Christian, 
Are you still supposed to give 10% to God? I've heard this for 30 years. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. I was listening to a teacher this week. I thought it was pretty neat. While I was working on this sermon, uh, uh, they weren't talking about tithing, but they were talking about how we believe things that are convenient. You know, we, we... cut out, we not literally most of the time, but we cut out parts of the Bible that we don't like and we believe what is, is convenient. And this teacher said, you know, the people come up to them and they'll say, well, I don't believe in tithing anymore. <laughs> That's convenient, isn't it? I don't believe in that. And, uh, you know, well, I, I don't believe in gluttony anymore. You know, I think that's okay. Uh, some of you may not believe in adultery anymore. That, that's fine. And, and the teacher said, you know, people come up to him and say, well, I don't believe in hell anymore. And the teacher said, well, that's convenient. Doesn't mean you won't go there. But uh, you, you, your, your belief and my belief do not determine truth. Are, are you okay with that? You okay with that? It's, it, people say, well, the tithe, that's, that's Old Testament law. Folks, this happened 500 years before the law was given. People say, well, the New Testament did away with it. Where? If you, if you look at a passage or two in Corinthians and say, well, that's talking about grace giving, that's not talking about your regular giving. That was special offerings. That was over and above giving. Jesus Christ in Matthew 23:23 was talking to some really bad religious people who were mean, and he said, you guys are mean, you're jerks, you need to be nice. But he commended them for their tithing. They were very specific in how they gave their tithes. And Jesus didn't say, hey, that's Old Testament. Don't worry about that anymore. Jesus said, you guys are doing right there. I heard someone say this. I thought this was good. Abraham commenced it. Moses commanded. And Jesus confirmed it. Yes, tithing is still appropriate. Giving a tithe is still appropriate today. It's a right way to give. Now, here's the second part of this. And and I think a very important part of this, too, is the tithe goes to your church. It goes to your church. Now, you're saying, maybe, some of you are saying, well, you're a preacher. You're supposed to say this, or you'll benefit from this. Listen, if I was to leave tomorrow and go teach at a college, I would join a church, and I would tithe to that church. I owe this church a large sum in building fund I would have to continue to give. But I would tithe to that church. Folks, we don't take the offerings on Sunday morning and go back to Josh's office and sit down and divvy it out. The preacher gets three, the youth minister gets one, Clayton gets a half. We don't do that. <laughs> so this is, I'm, I'm, and we, there may be churches that do, but I promise you we don't. Do you know in America, the average Christian gives 2.5% to their church? Obviously, the memo about tithing and about tithing to your church hasn't gotten out. Is it right to give to Louisiana Tech, to life choices, to grambling? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can do that, that that is wonderful. But the church is the body of Christ. Did you, did you know in the New Testament that the word church is used 110 to 115 times? And 95 to 100 times, the context de- determines that it's talking about the local church, not the mysterious church out here, but the local church, the organized body of Christ. And, and so, yes, to, to give to FCA or to give to some cause like that is good if you can. But that is a parachurch organization. 
the tithe belongs to the church. And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because that is right. It is right. Here's the third part of this proper giving. The tithe is undesignated giving. It's undesignated. What does that mean? It just means there's not strings attached. When I give my tithe, I'm giving, and and Cindy and I give more than 10% as a tithe because the tithe should be your starting point. That's no strings attached. Should you give to the building fund if you can? Absolutely. Should you give to Lottie Moon Christmas foreign missions offering if you can? Absolutely. Should you give to other causes and things as you can? Absolutely. But when you give a tithe, the tithe is letting go of it. It is an undesignated gift that we give to God through his church with no strings attached. Let me ask you this. And some people do this because they don't know better. But if you know better, do you really think it honors God if you're mad at your preacher or you're mad at the youth minister or you're mad at the, because you don't like the music, so you go, I'm not going to tithe. I'm going to send my money to this cause or I'm going to send my 10% to this part of the church but not to the, to the offer. Do we think that honors God? It doesn't honor God. A tithe is that undesignated 10% that we let go to God through his church. Now, I've heard people say this. I've never heard someone say this here. They may feel this way, but I've heard people say, I don't trust my church. What in the world are you doing at that church? Amen? This church gets an audit every year from an accounting firm in Monroe. It costs a lot of money, and every year that audit is available to everybody. You know why? Because we want you to know when you give your money, we believe you're giving it to God, and we're going to protect that and take care of it. I want to show you a video, and then we'll jump right back into uh, to the service sermon. Hello, my name is Jason Tucker and I'm a member here at First Baptist. I want to talk to you about the importance of tithing. I know what you're saying. Tithing is an act of obedience. It's something that we're supposed to do as Christians. And you're absolutely right. But sometimes, for me, it hasn't always been that easy of a choice. Growing up, I was taught the importance of tithing. That it's, it's important to give God what's rightfully His, your first fruits. But as maturing in my faith and going through, through college and, and even after college, it's, I've been able to see that through tithing, we as believers are enabling the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. Through tithing, we are able to fund, fund mission trips uh, to other parts of the country and around the world. We're able to put on programs such as VBS or Touch Rustin where we are able to meet more people where they are and show them the love of Christ. We're even able to renovate buildings so our college students can meet with, meet and worship and learn about God. Through tithing, we experience the faithfulness of God in new and unique ways. Tithing matters. Very well said. We forced him to do that before he left because he was one of our interns. I'm kidding. Y'all stand up. Stand up for just a second. Will you stand up? Just stand up. Some of you are looking at me funny. Say amen. Amen. Now sit down. Okay. 
See, these why these sermons are so brutal because you don't laugh, you're miserable. We're going to talk about hell next week. We're going to do an eight-part series on hell every Sunday morning. And then I'll preach on tithing, and you'll be like, wow, that's awesome. Okay, how can you tithe? How can you tithe? Now, some of you, you know how, and you're doing it. Amen. Keep it up. Keep it up. But some of you, this is going to be a stretch. You've got debt. You've got bills. You're young. You hadn't used your head, maybe, financially. And if that's you, you're normal. How do you do it? Let me give you three thoughts. One, start at 5% and work up to 10. Now, I've never said that in 30 years of preaching. And you're going to go home today and you're going to say, well, I'm having an affair. And the preacher said, if I'll cut back to just twice a week, I'll be on my way to doing right. No, stop it. But if you're not tithing, start at 5%. With a goal that this time next year, I'm going to be at 10. I'm going to start at 5. I'll be at 10. I know that's hard. John Maxwell's a great leadership expert. And he said most, most victories and success come when we push ourselves outside our comfort zone. So tithing for some of you is going to be moving outside of your comfort zone. Start at 5%, move to 10. Number two, this takes faith. It takes faith. Three reasons people don't tithe that are Christians that are going to church. Number one, they don't know how. Hopefully, I have um, removed that excuse from you this morning. Number two, there's a heart issue. They're, they're, something's wrong between them and God and that needs to be straightened out. Or number three, you, you don't have faith that you just go, I can't do this. How am I going to do this? How's God going to meet my needs if I do this? Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe He exists and that He will reward those who earnestly seek Him. Listen, man, I understand where you are this morning. Here's the question for some of you on tithing. If you're going to start doing this consistently in your life, will you trust God to take care of you? Will you trust? You don't have to answer. Do you think God can take care of you? Let me tell you, 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without God's blessing. Every time. Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That was a place in the temple that there will be food in my temple. That was for the work of the temple. If you do this, the, the Lord says, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. How many of you want to put God to the test on this? Do it. God, listen, God is, God's thrown down the gauntlet. God says, you challenge me, I will win every time. Amen? You shovel it in, God shovels it back. He's got a lot bigger shovel. It's going to take faith. And number three, it will take sacrifice. This may take some real sacrifice. This is the uh uh-oh part of this right here. Because you can get warm and fuzzy when we talk about faith. Some of you are really happy. Some of you have been tithing. Now you're going to cut it back to 5% for the next year because I was dumb enough to throw that out. Real sacrifice. Now, I'm uh, going to share with you what this means. It means that you may have to do life a little differently. How many of you know who Tony Evans is, a preacher in Dallas? Great preacher. Okay, I'm reading Tony Evans. This is not me, okay? So if you're going to be mad at what I'm fixing to say, Tony Evans pastors, what's his church in Dallas? Oak Cliff. So they can email Tony Evans and and be mad at him. Okay, 
Tony Evans said to his church, this is his, not the First Baptist Russell, but some, his church one Sunday, he goes, some of you came here today in stolen cars, you're wearing stolen clothes, and you're going to go home to a stolen house. You bought it with money that belonged to God. Woo, aren't you glad he said that instead of your pastor? That's tough. And here's what else he said. He said, you're saying you can't tithe, but you've got two cars and an iPhone. <laughs> it's not about money, it's about priorities. So if I'm going to obey God with my finances, I may have to only go to Hawaii three times a year instead of six, right? Okay, let me get more personal. You say, well, I can't tithe. Maybe you go to two Saints games this fall instead of four. Or maybe you look and you go, I'm just really upside down. And maybe you got to do some radical things like buying a different house and, and, and buying some different cars. Listen, I would rather live in a small house and drive a, a, a beat-up car and know when I die that I'd please God with my money than live in a big house and drive a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce and have to answer for God how I did not do with my money like I should have. It may take sacrifice. Here's the last thing. If your heart's right, your billfold follows. Period. True? You talk to somebody who's a long-term tither, and here's what they'll tell you. This is the easiest part of Christianity. It's easy once you get in the groove of it. Listen, when Abraham, Abraham met Melchizedek and had a God encounter, it was not hard for him to let go of that 10%. It was not hard for him to let go because when your heart is right, your billfold follows. Here's, here's kind of a uh, not good fact. Here's a good fact. We've got 2,600 members at our church. 2,600, probably more than that now. Last December, uh, Brenda, who is our financial secretary, my secretary, I asked her, I said, how many members? We, we divide members in resident members and total membership. 2,600 total members. Now, in a Baptist church, total members means that some of those could have died in the Civil War, and we still don't have record of it, and they are still on the roll. So if you had like a great-great-grandfather die in the Civil War, let us know. We will remove him from the He's getting the newsletter. It's weird. But out of 2,600 members, 9% of First Baptist members tithe. That's what she said. Wow. That's got to be a little bit of a heart deal, folks. So I don't like money sermons. I don't like them either. I promise you. But I want to tell you, and I will talk to any of you that you, you want to about this later. If God's got your heart, he's going to have your billfold too. Sam Houston was considered the father of Texas. And the story is told when he got baptized as an old man. He walked down in the creek and he had his billfold in his pocket. And the preacher recognized that and said, President Houston, he was president of Texas at one time, take your billfold out. He said, nope. He said, when God got me, he got my money too. I made Michael get baptized with his billfold back there just then. The literal part of that doesn't apply, but the symbolic does. So I would ask you, does God have your heart? Let's pray. Christian, I'm going to challenge you more in just a moment. But if you're not a Christian and you're ready today to give your life to Christ, if you're ready, pray with me. Pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I'm asking you to save me this morning. Save me, Jesus. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And and when we do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do one of three things. If you just prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, are you ready to do that? When we stand, you come. Let one of our ministers help you. God wants your heart. You give Him your life this morning. You're here today and you'd like to join our church. You can join after church. Or you can come this morning when we stand. We'd love for you to join us. Come join us today. Christian, I know some of you, you are, you're doing great. You're, you tithe, you give, you keep it up. Others of you, the truth is, you may not be doing so well. I have no idea what anybody gives. I never, that's none of my business. But you know, and God knows, maybe where you're standing or at the altar, you need to make a fresh commitment of your life and your billfold to Jesus. Let's stand. God leads you. You come. We'll be waiting on you.